You're listening to Rockland Community Church, connecting all generations to Jesus. Yeah, that doesn't end the way you would expect it to. Our soul is bowed down to the dust. Our belly clings to the ground. And we have to think, what do we do with this? If you've got eight verses of celebrating and then 18 verses of absolute, utter despair. What's happening in this passage is, uh, is this. He is highlighting for us, for him and for us, a dilemma that he is facing that we all face. And it's quite simply this, Psalm 44, what to do when God doesn't make sense? What to do when God doesn't make sense? What do we do when God doesn't make sense? When life doesn't make sense? If you remember the Old Testament, you've got Israel, you've got God's people, and you have all the heathen nations, all the pagan nations around them. And Israel's having a hard enough time standing for the Lord because the entire world is against them. But now they're at a season where even people within Israel have rebelled against God. And God had previously said a covenant with Israel. He said, if you follow me, if you keep my covenant, I I will bless you. And if you don't, I will curse you. And they are largely, as a nation, rebelling against God in this moment. And since they're rebelling against God in this moment, they are feeling um, the curse of God. They are not receiving the blessing of God. Now, this psalmist seems to be a faithful follower of God. So you've got the whole world turning against God. You've got Israel largely turning against God. And then within Israel, there's this faithful remnant. So now think about if you're in, in their shoes, the guy that's writing this, if you're in his shoes, you're going, not only am I fighting the whole world, I'm fighting my own nation. I'm having to stand up against people to say we should follow Yahweh, we should follow God. And so they're like, they should think we're like super Israelites here. We shouldn't have to feel any of this, um, the, the, the curses of God or the, the lack of blessing from God in this moment. And so that's what he's doing is he's just crying out and going, God, this doesn't make sense. And so what do we do when life doesn't make sense? And there's times it's big, you know, big global stuff. What, what about 9-11? What about the Holocaust? What about, um, what about wars? What about um, injustice? But I want to go past that a little bit and really talk to hearts today to say, what about personal disappointment that we feel, even if it's as a result of honoring God? What about, say, a young Christian woman that's dating a young Christian man and then he starts pressuring her sexually and then she just puts up a wall and says no and as a result, he starts changing how he is towards her and starts leaving. And she's going, wait, I like this guy and because I did something that honored God, now this relationship is broken. God, I don't understand, this doesn't make sense. What about the, maybe a disappointment that a, a family might feel of going, God, we're, we wanna have a child and, and that is a good thing and that should honor you and we're not able to, and that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. Those can be difficult places, and what do we do in those places when God doesn't make sense? When it's, I have a longing in my heart, and it's a good longing in my heart, but it's not happening. If you're a note taker, here's the outline because the psalmist is gonna answer it. You ready? Go to God and go to church. Go to God and go to church. I spent way too much time in seminary for that to be the outline that I'm using today, but that's what he's saying. Go to God and go to church. And listen, in our culture today, it says to do anything but that. If God is the author of life and we are disappointed, then the instinct is, well, don't go to God. Whatever you do, don't go to God. He's the one that disappointed you to begin with, so don't go to him. And then the other piece you have is about this idea of going to uh, yourself, right? Instead of going to church, going to the church to be around the people of God. There, There are so many times we are told to make decisions and the counsel we get is ignore everybody, Except yourself. 
And rarely is that actually good advice. Most of the time, it is helpful to have other spirit-indwelt, godly people coming alongside you to help make decisions and help to make sense out of the mystery that they're walking through. So here's the better solution. Besides just ignoring God, um, or besides just thinking like I, need to, like I just need to do everything myself. The first one he says is go to God. And here's the very important thing to note about this text. You notice it doesn't end with this note of triumph. It's this entire thing about confusion and pouring out his heart before God. Why is this happening, God? But never forget how the psalm starts. What are the first two words? Oh, God. In his confusion, when life doesn't make sense, when God, in a sense, didn't make sense, he sits down and goes, what should I do? I'm gonna write to God. I am going to God with it. Which is, it's good that we have God to go to because you gotta go somewhere with it. Oftentimes it's just, I go nowhere and I just sit in my bitterness and my hurt. Sometimes it's all, um, you know, like, like teenagers will just go to their, sorry, I'm not knocking on you teenagers, but like just going to your friends. So like say you're 14 and you just go, I'm gonna go with all the other 14 year olds. That's nice. You're getting 14 years of experience. And let's be honest, a few of those, you like couldn't even use the potty. Like you were in diapers. So I don't know if that's like life experience in those years exactly, right? And so you've got like 14 years max of like ex- life experience that you can pull from. Instead of you can go to God, you can go to the supernatural one. You can go to his church where there's all the generations are here. We go somewhere. Sometimes, honestly, we just go Google. I'm gonna go Google how to strengthen my marriage. I'm gonna go watch some YouTube video about how to improve this in my life. And it may or may not be from a Christian perspective. And the reality is what we want to do as followers of Jesus Christ is not just get an answer we, and not just learn tips. We want to figure out how do, I, how do I grow spiritually through whatever it is that I'm walking through. Look at what happens next. In verse two, you can see what happens is when we go to God, there are supernatural things that can happen as opposed to any other source in the world. Look at this. You with your own hand drove out the nations, but them you planted, the Israelites you planted in the promised land. You afflicted the peoples, that's probably talking about the Egyptians, because next it says, but them, the Israelites, you set free. And look what happened. It wasn't by natural means. <clears throat> Verse three, for not by their own sword did they win the land, nor did their own arm save them. That's how you would win battles. Your sword, your arm, your strength would save you. And he says, it didn't happen because of that. It happened supernaturally. Your right hand and your arm and the light of your face, that's what saved them. For you delighted in them. And then you can see he goes and he internalizes this. Not in my bow do I trust, nor can my sword save me. And God we've boasted continually. We will give thanks to your name forever. Here's the phrase that you need to remember, that even, no matter how little sense life makes, you have to remember, his hands are better than my hands. His hands are better than my hands. This is especially tricky, as um, some parents are sending their kids, some of whom will be a plane flight away, to remember, God is with them. They are... Sorry, they're in his hands, first and foremost. And his hands are better than my hands. And his hands are better than your hands. Um, parents of, uh, of seniors, you may have gotten this. Um, Nikki got this online for you. Um, praying the scriptures for your adult children. 
This is a good book and a good thing to have if you want to have it. And, and by the way, if you don't have a senior and you want to go get one of these, please feel free to pray the scriptures over your adult children. Parents with um, 12th graders, we want to give this to you today if you haven't gotten one already. Um, and that's something that you can do as a constant reminder to say, they're better in your hands. His hands are better than my hands. When all of our instincts say, run from him, I'm confused, so I'm gonna leave him. Redouble your efforts to be with him. Satan wants you to go far, God wants you near. Satan wants you far, God wants you near. What I mean is Satan wants you far from God, and God is the one saying, come near to me. And you know why Satan wants you far from God? Is because in these moments, we have an actual opportunity to demonstrate trust in God. And if Satan can get us to go any place else but him, what we are just functionally saying is God is no longer trustworthy. We go to God. And the second thing it says, go to church. Now, you might wonder, <clears throat> where did you get the idea of church from this Old Testament text? But let me just, I'm taking it and I'm gonna apply it here in our New Testament age. Um, <clears throat> if you remember verses one through three, that were read, let me just read them to you. Oh God, we've heard with our ears. Our fathers have told us what deeds you performed in their days. With your own hand, you drove out nations, but them you planted, you afflicted the peoples, but them you set free. Then he talks about the sword is not what they used, but your arm is what saved them. And he's saying the community of faith passed that down generation to generation. So that's what happened with Old Testament Israel. And now what do we do? Now we have the New Testament church. Our job is to be a place where the generations can come together, where the younger people can get the wisdom of the older people, and we are to be passing down faith to the next generation. So let me give you a, a couple things. Seniors, I told you I added some stuff because you gotta sit through this twice. I added some stuff. Here we go. Let me, let me point out a couple things and apply this. First of all, if you're in the older generation, I'll let you decide if you're in that or not. If you're in the older generation, we have opportunities to model biblical faithfulness to the next generation. If church attendance and being around God's people is not a big deal to us, we should never expect it to be a big deal to them. If the Bible is not a big deal to us, we shouldn't expect it to be a big deal to them. If people come here and we are doing anything but just extending the most radical kindness and graciousness towards them, um, if, if we do anything but that, they will learn, well, I don't need to do that either. That's the place that the church is supposed to be. We model that for them. And if you have an opportunity, listen to this, if you and the older generation, if we have an opportunity to ever speak truth to the younger generation, don't be silent. They need the church of Jesus Christ to speak truth in the culture of lies that they are finding themselves. Don't be silent and do not apologize. And thirdly, I'd say this. <clears throat> if you do get an opportunity to speak to young people and speak truth to their life, um, don't ever chastise them. Think training, training, training. I had this experience once. I grew up in church, <clears throat> and I remember we'd sit there in the congregation, and we would say uh, the Apostles' Creed in a little Methodist church in Irving, Texas, right between Dallas and Fort Worth, and we would say the Apostles' Creed, and I remember as a kid going, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And as like a 
12-year-old or something, <clears throat> I remember hearing it and thinking, like, why is everybody just sort of chanting this thing and they're just reciting it by rote and, and it doesn't even look like, like there's no joy. Like, it just seems like they're just sort of walking through the motions. And so I actually remember getting a group of adults together and, and listen to this. I was probably, I may have been 13 or something like that. And I said, I think we should stop saying that in church. And I met with these adults, and I went in there as a cocky teenager, pretty much ready to explain why I'm right, and they don't know what they're talking about. And I went in, and I was like, you know, I just, it's Apostles' Creed and the Lord's Prayer, like, you know, nobody, no, one, no one's really even meaning it or anything like that. And I looked, and there were like two or three or four men there, and then there was this one woman there, and I could just see, and I thought they were about ready to, to fight a little, not just verbally, they weren't going to attack me or something, but like, like just verbally, like, go at it. And this, this woman, God bless her, she just goes, you know what, I totally understand that. And all of a sudden, all my defenses went down. I was like, well, darn it, I thought we were going to fight, which I would just get absolutely creamed in because I hadn't really even thought it through. I just didn't like it, and I thought the church should adapt to me and my preferences, which is completely bonkers. And she just said, I totally understand that. And she said, you know what, I get why as a kid right now it doesn't make that much sense, but someday that might become very precious to you. Someday, it might be meaningful to you like it is for a lot of us. And I immediately, in that moment, remembered, I thought they were gonna go, well, you young man, you need to do it, and here's what you do, and this is what you do in church, and then I would go, well, listen, old people, and I was gonna fire right back. And all of a sudden, when she just said, I totally understand, I just went, oh, okay, yes, ma'am. And I moved on. I get why... Um, <clears throat> I get why sometimes being in an intergenerational community, there may be things where we have preferences that are pressed on a little bit, and we go, ah, that's not as much for me. Maybe it's for the person next to you. And for you younger people, listen, 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 listen. That's it, not like what I'm about to say next. Just listen, listen, listen. When you have older godly people that will speak into your life, listen, 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 and in fact, you graduates, especially you who are going, if I could give you one application, one thing to do, this is it. Are you ready? You are coming from the church of Jesus Christ and we are handing you to a church of Jesus Christ to help spiritually form you for the next several years of your life. You're going to have a ton of different decisions that are gonna be made in that time and you need the church around you. And so before you find your fraternity and before you find your club and before you find any of that stuff, I wanna challenge you to find a church, to be a part of a church wherever you are, and you can have spiritual formation. As I said it in the first service, I hope when we get to see in a year, two, three, four years, whatever it is, that we don't even recognize you because you have just grown so much over these past four years. That's what I want for you. Satan wants you isolated, but God wants you surrounded. Satan wants you isolated. If he can get you isolated, he's got you. But if you are surrounded with the people of God, there is strength there. There's this love of God proclaimed through the local church. And when you feel like, does life even make sense? Go to God and go to church. There was a time when I was in, uh, when I was in college uh, I told you I went to TC, uh, Milton Daniel. I don't know if they still have Milton Daniel. It's the guy's dorm. At least it was when I was there 300 years ago, but it was there. We called it the Milton Hilton. I remember that. And I was in Milton Daniel, and I could tell you where I was. I was in like the, the little lobby thing out front, 
And I was just at college, and I was just thinking, I felt sort of lonely. All the stuff that I had growing up, everything I just grew up in church, and everything that I had, I, there was just moments of, and there wasn't even like, like horrible Christian oppression or anything. There were just moments of me going, like, this is right, right? Like, these truths we profess, those are right? That I'm not inventing this, or my parents aren't just like crazy and made me do this, and... And uh, like, this is right, right? And I kid you not, I could, I could go back and I could, if it's still there, I could show you exactly where I was. And when life just didn't make sense, I went to God and I was reminded of his church. And this is what went, went on in my mind. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. Third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven, sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. And thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the forgiveness of sins, the communion of saints, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And then I thought, I should probably pray. What do I say? Our Father... Who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Earth as is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses. I used to be a trespasser. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. But lead us not to temptation. Deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. I have to tell you what happened in that moment. In that moment when I was this college kid and pretty dorky and just kind of like by myself and feeling lonely and trying to figure out, did I, have I believed right? I have believed right, right? As I started reciting that, I gotta tell you, with each line that I spoke, I just heard the chorus of people that were reciting that with me when I was a kid growing up. And it just built and built and built. And then I started thinking about, it's not just there, it was a little Methodist church, it wasn't just my Methodist church, all the Methodist churches do this, or most of them do, they do this. And it's not even just Methodist churches, it's, it's a lot of different denominations, a lot of churches say that. And so I'm just starting to think of all these people and then thinking it's not just even the state or it's not just even America, it's all over the world. And it's not just even like this day, it's, it's so many years this has been said, just centuries this has been said. And all of a sudden, I went from being this lonely kid huddled there just going, is this right? Am I going to be able to do this? In that one little moment, just remember the church of Jesus Christ and just to hear it build and build and build. And when I stood up, oh man, I was just thinking, bring it on. I'm ready to go. I have an army of believers behind me. Go to God and go to his church and let it form you to be a follower of his.